Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe, join the community, and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And Rob, how are you doing? Because uh, Manchester United have wrapped up their season at Old Trafford with a win. Now, that feels all, weird, doesn't not it? Not all that comfortable at times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, a win nonetheless. A win nonetheless. And and good, you know, 3-0, not so bad. Um, it's one of those things, isn't it? You win the game, so you just feel good that you got the three points. We won't dig too much into the stats of the game, but it really did show that Man United weren't as good as people thought they were. You know, when you look overall... Uh, Brentford had more shots than United on the night, but couldn't convert. And that was really the story of the game. Uh, but a freewheeling performance from Manchester United, you know, where Mata came into the team, lots of goodbyes for players. It had a feel of a of a testimonial match that didn't really matter. Uh, and, and a goodbye to Ralph. You know, I think he's uh, he was watching those players last night and wondering, why can you guys, you know, not convert like this in recent weeks. You know, you've got Brentford in front of you. You could have beaten other teams quite comfortably if you'd actually turned up. Um, And he leaves, I think, with maybe a bit of a stain on his conscience. He'll feel that he didn't get the best out of these players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll talk about that Brentford game, well, early in the show, I would think. We've got a lot of players to talk about. Cristiano Ronaldo as well as some of the players that will be leaving, Juan Mata, Nemanja Matic, Emerson Cavani, Jesse Lingard, with some comments that are floating around from his camp this morning as we record this on Tuesday. Uh, we'll talk about Marcus Rashford a little bit and some transfer talk on Frankie de Jong as well. There might be some other players linked, but uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit on Frankie de Jong, a new name to the show. Uh, has, his name's been floating around in relation to United over the last few days. Uh, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob, underscore B for Rob, and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, but Rob, you mentioned there, um, we'll talk about the Brentford game because this is what you you said that this was one game you just decided not to go to, right? Season ticket holder and all, but not worth yeah, the effort. Yeah, as I said before, you know, when I go for work, great, you got to go. That's just what it is. I didn't have to go for work for that game. And I took the option of not coming home at one o'clock in the morning after a football match. So for me, I felt quite comfortable watching the game at home, decided to put my feet up and try and enjoy it. It's been a difficult thing this season, enjoying Manchester United games. Um, but it wasn't Did like... Did you enjoy little... it? Did you enjoy it? Not, not really, because even though the result was good, there were still things that I saw in that match that I didn't like. Still lots of ill-discipline, still lots of doing what they wanted. Ralph said it at the end of the game, and I thought it was really key, because obviously he was saying, you know, it's improved performance, blah, 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 blah. And the caveat was, 
way too many sideway passes and back passes. And that's what I thought during the game. I was watching it and there was bits where they were kind of doing little two-yard passes on the halfway line for 10 minutes. And you were thinking, hmm, is this control or is this just not being that bothered? It's kind of somewhere in the middle, isn't it? So you get the win. No one's going to moan about that. 3-0 is a good result. But I think you saw last night just tiny tidbits as to why this season has gone south, why it's been a bad campaign. And that is that this is a massively indisciplined squad that just kind of does what it wants in football matches. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll ask the same question asked you to myself. I actually did kind of enjoy it because it was nice not to see stress about United falling behind, conceding a stupid goal or something like that. And like, mm-hmm. it, the whole vibe for the evening for me was more end of an era, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, looking through the optimistic lens, it was, you know, you're saying goodbye to Mata, Matic, Cavani, Jesse Lingard, uh, other players in there too. Phil Jones, will we see him in Old Trafford again? Who knows? Uh, but yeah. he, he should be on his way out as well. Got a, got a few minutes at the end. Uh, and it was just nice to have a little bit of relief from the doom and gloom of this entire season. I think that you could see that the pressure was off on the players it doesn't look like United are going to come eighth now because Wolves' have, Wolves' form has basically fallen off a cliff. They've got Man City and Liverpool to play in their last few games. You can't really see them turning that around. So it's either sixth or seventh for United. And I, I was looking, in, looking at it through the lens of, do I really want to be in this Europa Conference League? That is going to be an absolute disaster. So please, just I don't really care how it happens. Just please go and win to put some daylight between you and West Ham because West Ham have got to play City as well in the last few games. I think they've just lost to Arsenal too. So I think they're six points clear with the although West Ham have a game in hand. Uh, but you'd think that United should be able to come sixth in the league and avoid that conference league no matter what West Ham do in the Europa League now. Yeah, there's a level of stage management, but there's also a point now where the, the league table will just be whatever it is at the end of the campaign. The campaign has been a failure. So, you know, you, you're judged on your results. You're judged on, I think, through the season, we look at uh, patches of form of how you manage adversity. And I think Ralph, again, did say yesterday, where he said, you know, we, we have had good performances and, and we definitely have. You know, during Ralph's tenure, there were bits where it started to look like it was making sense, but the results fell off a cliff. And the results fell off the cliff because of the players. So, you know, you, we can talk tactics till we're blue in the face, but it's up to these players to turn up for work, Scott, and do their job. Now, last night, there was no pressure to do their job. So they were all right. Yeah, they got on with it. They won 3-0 against a Brentford side who also haven't got any pressure. So it was one of those games. So like you said there, I, I kind of enjoyed it for that, that you scored some goals. But... I didn't really have anything wholesome at the end of it. It was like the end oh, of the game. No. The, the match, with, the, I, do you know what? They blew the whistle and obviously loads of fans stayed. I just kind of thought, quite glad I'm not standing there right now at 10 o'clock at night. That's what I was just thinking. because I, I, I always clap the players off. I'm there every season, yeah? It's a lot, I haven't missed an end of game season for a long time at home. Many, many years, 20 years. I just... I didn't want to clap them off. It just didn't feel yeah. anything for this set of players. So the outgoing players, thank you for your service, but it's essential that they go because we need new players. That's the only way you're going to get them. So, you know, as you said, we, we, we'll mention a few of them here today. But overall, there's not one of those players that I kind of think affected Manchester United positively 
during their tenure at the football club. And that is a real big shame, not just on the players, but on the club itself, because they were the ones who recruited them. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about... I, I do want to talk about Juan Massa in a little bit, yeah. but we'll, we'll get to him because uh, I have a few things to say on what his transfer kind of symbolised. Uh, yeah. It's kind of an era of mismanagement, you know, this kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was... Uh, Juan Mata and Cristiano Ronaldo were probably quite key to that win last night. Ronaldo looked like he pulled his hamstring towards the end. So whether he'll get to break 20, goal, 20 Premier League goals this season, I think he's on 18 now, mm-hmm. remains to be seen. But United have Brighton away and then a trip to Crystal Palace two weeks after that for the final game of the season. Uh, so he's in scoring form, had one disallowed and scored a mm-hmm. penalty. Uh, what did you make of his performance? And we'll go to we'll go to Ronaldo's future now as well, if you want, because uh, there was one moment where he actually chased back. I don't mm. know whether... It, and chased back and put a successful tackle in. Yep. It seemed like... I don't know, like, whatever you want to say about Ronaldo, I think he... He feels like he has a point to prove and he, he knows that. Uh, what do you think, Rob? I think that Cristiano understands the issues at Manchester United. I think he does. I think he understands that part of the issues at the football club is that players don't run enough. So we've mm. definitely seen an uptick in his performances in terms of output, in terms of physical output. Even look at the goal for the penalty where he goes and puts his shoulder in on the defender. That's not something we were seeing earlier in the season with Cristiano. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, I, said, I, I described it as freewheeling at the start of the show. And that's how Man United have been kind of trying to play this this open style of football where, you know, you roll the dice. So Cristiano, you're right. He ran back. He made that big tackle. Um, that's great, isn't it? But... If your whole team is not doing it, it doesn't matter if Cristiano's doing it or not. And this is why I've said before, it's not whether he is the problem, but it starts at the top of the pitch where you're not doing a press. So yesterday, no pressure. Everyone can do what they want. Cristiano has a little bit of a run around. He's definitely putting it in. There's no doubt about it. You know, he's putting the effort in because there's there's pressure on him. He People know that he knows that people are talking about him and saying, well, he you are the problem. So he wants to prove that he's not the problem. And of course, he's always going to score goals, Scott. He's always going to score goals. 18 goals, very, very good. Well done. We know he scores goals. What we're not talking about is the 14 big chances he's missed this season. Now, statistically, they're they're goals that he would have got in previous years. So Cristiano might have got you 35 this year. If he'd got you 35 goals this year, where would Man United be? So there is a balance here of responsibility. I'm not putting it all on Cristiano. But I think if you're going to rely on a 37-year-old to score all your goals next season, you're probably not going to come top four. We'll see. Uh, I think, well, we'll talk about whether Ronaldo's going to stay or not now, I think, because he did seem to say to the camera, it wasn't entirely clear, but it seemed to he seemed to say, I'm not finished. Yeah. Uh, which He's not finished. Yeah, he's not. But what did that mean? Did it did it mean I'm not finished at United? Or did it mean I'm not finished scoring goals wherever I go? What did you make of it? And, well, of course, the world is interpreting that this morning. Is well, what did he mean by that? Well, Cristiano is Cristiano. He believes in himself. He always will. You know, if he's playing for Man United or an MLS club or another team in Europe, he will believe he will score goals. And do you know what? I'd put money on him scoring goals. He always scores goals. That's what he does but it's whether he can help you win. So I think Ten Hag has got a big question here about this next year is all going to be about transition, isn't it? It's all going to be about building and finding the right rhythm and finding the right team. So keeping Cristiano isn't really a problem 
because he can help you in that transition for a year because you're not going to say when he's 38 and 39, here's a new contract. It just has to be managed properly, doesn't it? It must be managed properly. And Cristiano is about problem number seven on Man United's list. So he's not really the big issue as it stands today. You've got bigger positional problems across the team. So keeping Cristiano, he's under contract, no issues with that. But keeping him as your out-and-out number one striker, number one starter every week, as you said there, he worked really hard last night and then was limping around. And I've seen that all season long. You know, every time he's worked hard, he looks like he's been shot. <laughs> he really does. Got start... After that penalty, I think there was a it, like, it was a close-up of him on the floor. He was sat on sat on his ass. Yeah, he like, sat on his ass yeah. and he was like going, uh, uh, and I, and I feel kind of feel sorry for the bloke because I, I don't think he doesn't want to do well. You know, I think he wants to show that he's come back to this football club and he loves United and wants to show what he can do. But Man United need to make the big decisions, don't they? I was reading yesterday something that Robin Van Persie spoke about when Lou Van Gaal came to the football club. And Lou Van Gaal said to him, you know, you've been my striker for, you know, the Netherlands for a long time, but you're not cutting it for me. Goodbye. And and, and Van Persie went, what? Like he was completely shocked. He went, no, I'm the manager. You're the player. Goodbye. And he said it like that to his face. And Van Persie was like completely shocked. That's what managers have to do, Scott. You have to be ruthless because your neck is on the block. So let's see what Ten Hag decides to do because let's say he brings in a Haller or someone of that type. You, think... you say, like, question. Do you think Sebastian Haller can do a better job for Man United than Cristiano Ronaldo can? In a system, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's not about whether Haller's better than Ronaldo because he's not. No one's better than Ronaldo at scoring goals. Ronaldo's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. But he's a 37-year-old GOAT. You know, you have to be careful about how you set the team up. We were talking yesterday about uh, little bits of auditions. Tony's been linked with lots of clubs. Uh, Christian Eriksen's going to get a big deal somewhere. Those two players, would they make your squad better? Yes. Are they better than Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo? Absolutely not. No. But this is not what it's about. You've got to build your squad holistically. You've got to have the pieces that work. It's like a clock face. I always say this. All those like 50 or 60 pieces that move and move and move, just so the ticker moves around like that as you look at the clock face. Manchester United needs some of that now. We need to build from the bottom up because a lot of those pieces in that clock are rotten and some of them have gone now because that was their last game at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think Ralph Rannick has said numerous times over the last few days and weeks that, United can't rely on Ronaldo, although he has said no. something along the lines of why should he not be part of the squad and help the team? I think I, I, I make this comparison to, and I've done this, done it on this show before, Thiago Silva at Chelsea. I mm-hmm. know uh, massively different positions, but they're the same age, uh, different pressures and all this kind of stuff. But Thiago Silva has been widely praised for his performances at Chelsea but he's playing a bit part role. Like he, he plays at the, he's, he's well protected at the middle, in the middle yeah. of a back three. Mm-hmm. He's utilized properly and, you know, Chelsea can make the most of his experience, mm-hmm. but he doesn't play every game, nope. you know? Uh, and I think this is something that United need to address. If they're going to keep Ronaldo, they need somebody to take the load off him and to introduce him at certain points because, you know, whether that's they save him for Premier League duty or they bring him on at times to go and nick a goal when they need one or something like that. There's not many people out there who can go and score a goal when you need one as well as Ronaldo can. Uh, he does need more support. And I think Ralph has said that 
United need at, need at least two or three strikers, include, inclusive of Ronaldo, so maybe two extra strikers with uh, you know a massive lack of options. <laughs> and now with Cavani going, Mason Greenwood uh, not playing anymore, and this kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, it remains to be seen how many players United do bring in. Uh, but mm. do you think Ronaldo ends up staying, or do you think Ten Hag will go? Now nah, I've had enough. Go. Bye. The, the general vibe, undoubtedly, at the moment is that Cristiano will stay. You know, he wants to stay. And I think if he wants to stay, you probably don't let him go. He's too big of an asset to you, both commercially and on a football pitch. Like, he's the only one who scored goals this year. So there is that. So I get why Cristiano Ronaldo fans who love him and adore him and can't think of a world without him are like, well, he's not your problem. And I think it is right that when you look at Ronaldo and you look at the strike force at Man United, what's been the issues this year? Greenwood, we don't need to go into that. Cavani, huge issue. Six games all he played this year. That's not particularly good for the Premier League. You needed more from him in terms of productivity. You look at Rashford. Rashford's been poor. Martial's not even at the football club anymore. That's a lot of goals out of four players and leaving it on Cristiano's neck. But the problem also is, Scott, as you said there, is that Cristiano demands to start every game. So this is where Ten Hag will need to come in and say, do you know what? Yes, Cristiano, you've got a year here. I will use you but I'll look after you and you must understand that being substituted is not bespoking your reputation. We saw what happened, didn't we, when he got substituted at Brentford, how he spent 15 minutes having a proper sulk, crying, arms in the air, looking like a petulant 12-year-old. We don't need that at Manchester United, Scott. We don't. That's not leadership and that isn't a veteran helping the squad. So he needs to learn that even though he is the GOAT, that he has his place at Manchester United. And if he does not accept that, then you sell him. That's the way it has to be. Then you say, right, goodbye, because this club has to move forward. It can't keep treading water. And he'll prolong his legacy as well if he's protected, if his legs are protected, if his engine's protected, you know, all this of kind of course. stuff. He's, he's spoken about how he wants to play into his 40s. He could play in another league each and every yeah. week, but, you know... But there's also the Champions League question, like, you know, as, as the years run out on him, you know, does he want another campaign in Champions League? You know, you might look at someone like Real Madrid and think, I'd rather sit on Real Madrid's bench rather than Man United's. You know, this is this is the thing. He's got options because he's still a great goal scorer. There's no doubt about that. But I think he will stay because he's settled in the Northwest and he does have these ambitions to coach. So this is something that came out of his camp a while ago. So maybe, just maybe. You might see a transition there over the next year or two that if Ten Hag comes in and they click and they hit it off, that Ronaldo becomes a vital person behind the scenes on the training pitch. Now, that's just speculation. But I think that's somewhere, if Ronaldo wants to stay at a football club, then he'll stay at Man United for those kind of reasons. He's not going to stay at Man United because he wants to win the Europa League. You know, that is not a thing. So let's just see, wait, wait, what happens. He's not the biggest problem at Man United, but the striking position is... You know, you need strikers around that position who can score goals, who can rotate and win you matches. And that's why someone like Haller would help you loads in that context. You know, he's not the only striker out there. You know, as we said, Tony also being linked with big football clubs. There, You've got to go out there and find these players, Scott, that help you. Did you see um, Ronaldo's son and the Mania Matic's son uh, recreating the goal that Ronaldo scored against Chelsea? 
No, I didn't. You didn't see that. <laughs> it was, check it out after this. It was uh, Matic's son uh, chipped the ball over, and Ronaldo's son, uh, like it was just in some kind of indoor training pitch or something like that. It happened a few days ago, just over the weekend, I think. So go and check that out if you haven't seen it already. It was uh, quite a nice moment, and that transitions me into the Mania Matic. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk about him. It was his last game at Old Trafford. Yeah. Uh, on Monday night. Uh, obviously, he's been one of United's better players over the last few weeks, but obviously, that's not it's not a big competition, is it? To be honest, uh, and yeah, he's Matic's legs have gone. He's not able to play. You're seeing him start every single game now, but before this, before United absolutely ran out of options in midfield, he would be managed. He'd play every other game, or he'd yeah. come on for a substitute appearance and this kind of thing. He was one player who said goodbye. Edison Cavani came on after an absence of God knows how long. Uh, clapped the fans and said goodbye. And Juan Mata as well. I don't know who you want to talk about first here, Rob. Uh, but I think Mata's probably the chunkiest part of this section because obviously we talked about Cavani. We've known he's going to go for a while. Matic has confirmed he's going to go a few weeks ago. And then Juan Mata was picked at number 10 uh, and dictated, dictated play, kept things ticking over. Uh, and... He was unlucky not to get man of the match last night. Again, this goes down to about what you do within systems and how you outlay yourself, you know, how you actually put the ball on the deck and play football. So you're right, Wamata had a really good game. And in fact, the little cameos that he's had this season, I think he's been good. You know, he's come on, he affects the game in different ways. What you saw last night was Wamata playing as a traditional 10. Now, when Man United signed him from Chelsea, he was one of the best number 10s in the world a World Cup winner, won trophies with Chelsea and had fallen out of favour with Jose Mourinho, like everyone falls out of favour with Jose Mourinho. He came to Man United, it was a bit of a steal and then we've spent his whole career at United not playing in where he's best. (laughs) So you you look at Wamata, he's going to exit the football club. He showed more control in that number 10 position than Bruno Fernandes Fernandes has at all this season. Every time Bruno's the number 10, Bruno just goes on a holiday across the football pitch wherever he wants to play. But what you saw was Mata supporting that function in the pocket and keeping the ball, possession. United's best possession game of the season, I think, at Old Trafford, well over 60%. And that helps you win the football match, doesn't it? That's where you go. And that's, that's how the game works. Manchester United are normally filthy in possession. Awful. Well below 50% to other teams that shouldn't be better than them on the ball. And this is why I think that Juan Mata has been a confusing point because he gives you that. He's in your squad and you don't use him. So that's on Ralph. That's on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's on the whole setup at Man United. I think there's a problem there with bigger players dominating uh, the starting sheet. But I feel sorry for Juan Mata because when he signed for United, I was very happy. I was really happy that he was oh, coming. Wow. I thought he'd I thought he'd be a superstar at United. And I thought if we wanted to be a creative entity at the top end of the pitch, Juan Mata would be a huge part of that. And the truth is he hasn't. So those players all leaving last night, all leave under a little bit of a cloud, not just because of the performances and results, but they certainly haven't fulfilled their potential on the day that they signed for Manchester United. Yeah, I tweeted last night in reaction to it. It's just on the stroke of half time that it's taken the United eight years and Juan Matt's final appearance at Old Trafford for them to realise that he is a number 10 because he was he was really good. Uh, and you could tell there was he was really integral to United's win last night. Uh, but I, I alluded to earlier in the show that I felt like this game was a bit of an end of an era. And I think that's mm. probably why I was looking at the fact that it was Matt's last game at Old Trafford. 
how they've misused him over the last few years. And like, I think under David Moyes, there was Marouane Fellaini. And then in the January, Juan Mata was signed as well. Mm -hmm. And Gary Neville pointed out on commentary, he said, two good players in their own right, but massively different. And that was the kind of start of United buying not for an identity. Uh, And I feel like the fact that Juan Mata is now leaving, you can kind of look at it and think, and all the changes that are being made structurally above uh, who the manager is and this kind of thing, we'll probably talk about that in future shows. It seems like United, or maybe this is the optimist in me, are recognising what they've done wrong. And I was looking at Juan Mata and thinking, that's eight years worth. If you want to summarise United's last eight years of failure in one transfer, it's Juan Mata. Because they bought him for a lot of money. It it was a good deal in terms of value at the time. It was still a lot of money, 38, 40 million or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Played him on the right half the time, played him on the bench half the time. And now in the last game, they've realised, oh, actually, this is where he's most effective. So I'm kind of hoping United can end this chapter, turn a page and start afresh. Yeah, I heard Gary's comments about that last night. I think it's important to add a little bit of context to that. In the sense that it was David Moyes. David Moyes got two signings. He got Fellaini and he got Mata. And I think that was trying to reboot the whole the whole kind of Everton tactic of Fellaini and Pienaar. So this was kind of what Matter was like a huge upgrade on Pienaar, like I said, a World Cup winner, someone who's got these elite level uh, talent set. But United came in, never really played him as a 10, never played Fellaini in the right position either. Fellaini was so good on the left of the Everton attack and then played as a defensive midfielder for Man United and everywhere else, but where he, he was happiest. And it was the same for one matter. I think what you see, Scott, is that all of these transfers all the way through, and I think the one that really gets me is Angel Di Maria. I think that's the yeah. that's the crucial one where you felt that your strategy was Galactico. I need Galacticos. This is how I make this better. And United looked for those players consistently over eight years. They did. And that has been the downfall. So I, I certainly don't look at the matter transfer in isolation and think that that was really a massive problem. I think it was a good, a good transfer if you used him properly. You know, so that some of that is coaching, some of that is decision making. But it, I think it also shows that Man United just do not have a recruitment policy. You know, they don't have a proper one, like where you bring someone in to do a job. Mm-hmm. So now you hope that Eric Ten Hag will look at those things and go, well, you're good, you're good, you're good. I'll use you and maybe change how you play. But you, you're not very good. You're not very good. Cristiano, you need to sit on the bench a little bit more. But that's on me. I'm the coach. And yes, Haller starts this week. Yes, Tony starts this week. Man United fans going up in arms because their boy's not starting. But it's tough, isn't it? So I think one matter kind of fell out of favour over the years because of quite a lot of that poor recruitment around him and trying different things. And, you know, you bring in Donny van der Beek and he's supposed to be a number 10 alternative. He doesn't ever play, goes to Everton, still doesn't play. It's a problem, isn't it? You see these issues crop up in every position time after time after time. Um. So we haven't spoken, Rob, since the news broke of Matt Judge's resignation yeah. or departure. Uh, obviously, I think it's it's not happened yet, but it broke last week uh, yeah. that he would be leaving the club. And he has been, in combination with Edward, perhaps the, the person that the fans put as the responsible one for these transfer failures over the last eight years or 10 years or however long you want to say it's been. How significant is that? It is significant. And the, the reason why is because 
of the makeup of the boardroom. So as an individual, Matt Judge doesn't really get a say on players. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, I like him. Let's go and get him. Now, Ed Woodward has done that. Ed Woodward, as he was once called by Matt Judge, I think it was. I think it was Richard Arnold called him the director of football. And it was a bit like, really? But I think when you look at Matt Judge, he is the chief negotiator at Manchester United. And even though he's only been called that for two or three years, he's been doing that job since day dot. He's been the guy that goes in with the briefcase, with the contract and says, sign this or don't sign it, but I'm going to negotiate with you. And when you talk to other people at other football clubs who've dealt with Matt Judge, have always said he's really good. Great negotiator, very fair, you know, doesn't leak information, doesn't play the game, just very straight. But the problem with Matt Judge is that he has been Ed Woodward's right arm since forever. And I think you need to move on from that. So I think that's what we've seen in recent times, is that he himself is, is, is understanding that his role is diminishing at board level as an executive. Um, because you're bringing in Ten Hag, and Ten Hag has said, I need to rip this up. Let's start again. And I think Richard Arnold is leaning towards his new manager. So I think that this shows that there's going to be a change in the guard at Manchester United, and we will probably see a head of recruitment come in. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about Paul Mitchell, but I think the sense that Ralph Rannick is leaving the football club, he would have been giving this kind of feedback already to, to the board and saying, right, you need to get your structure in place. What did he say last week, Ralph, which I thought was really pertinent? He said, you need someone at Man United to go to these top players like Erling Haaland and convince them why they need to come to Man United. Now, I don't think Matt Judge is the right guy for that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's not a football person. And that has been the issue, I think, with the structure at Man United. Lots of accountants who are very talented at their jobs, but not football people and now you need a football person in that position and you need it quick yeah I think fans are quite optimistic that the as I say turning the page in a sense you, you see Edward would leave Matt Judge is going to leave as well over the next few months his involvement in the transfer window will not be significant if anything and he's overseen an inflation in wages you know that you've yeah. got loads of United players who are on what Dean Henderson's on top five goalkeeper salaries in the world or some, something like that. He is, yes. And, you know, as as good as a reputation that he has, when you look at the, the hard facts about how something like 10 of United's top earners are in the top 20 in the Premier League or something like that, and, and United are six in the league and struggling for that, it is good news, isn't it? It's good news because I think that the, all of the things that we talk about week in, week out, we talk about stuff on the football pitch, start at the boardroom level. It starts with the senior people, the heads at the football club. And there's no doubt that Judge is one of those guys. You know, and this is what I'm saying. I think when with Ed leaving the football club, there's that feeling of transition now, of, of kind of washing your hands, but washing them properly. Soap and water, no, no kind of little squeezy bottle of a... Uh, you know, sanitizer there. It's proper stuff, this. It's actually moving on. And they have to do it. They realise they've made those mistakes. And I also think that comes from Joel Glazer. I think Joel Glazer's looking down at his staff, and that includes the board, and he's thinking, we've been getting this wrong because we've been losing so horrendously. And you need to find a way, don't you? So as, as Ralph said, if you want top players, and even players in the middle bracket and lower brackets, you've really got to convince them of your project. But if you don't have a project, how do you do that? You can't just say come and sign for the badge because I think that's what United have done for a long time they've and gone with a big here's the money mate here's the, here's money. the money here's the yeah. contract and we're Manchester United because we're Manchester United we're going to win and I think now as, as again as Ralph said about City and Liverpool 
City and Liverpool don't have to do that. City and Liverpool just have to say, look at the league table. Yeah, come and sign for us. Luis Diaz, come and sign for us. These players are walking to these football clubs and choosing those two over Man United for good football reasons. And yeah, they still get paid good money. So I think you look at the Alexis Sanchez transfer. I think that is, again, another one, isn't it? He could have gone to City and won everything, but United offered him incredible money. He came to Man United and sat on his backside. That's Harry Man Maguire United. Too. Harry Maguire too. It's not, um, you know, yeah. you know, paid 20 million more for Harry Maguire than City were willing to offer. And uh, uh, but I do think that that was at a crossroads. So when, with Sanchez and Maguire, there was that crossroads where Manchester United still playing on their reputation. And I think that reputation is in the bin. Yeah, it really is now. It's properly in the bin. So you're starting from afresh and that gives you at least a little bit of a reset. It means that Ten Hag can go out there and say, right, this is a new project. I'm in charge of it. And all of that stuff that's been going on, it's not going to happen on my watch. You know, if you're a striker coming to the football club, you will play games and Cristiano won't pick you. I'll pick you. That's really important. That's really, really important. So I think we'll see this now. A lot of those players that are being shown the door now because of their contracts or because they're too old and they can't help you. I always say the same thing. If a player can't help you, get rid of them. Get rid of them quickly. Bring in players that can help you. Let's talk about Jesse Lingard on that uh, on that note because uh, his representatives, uh, Louis Scott, has put something out on Instagram over the last uh, well twelve hours or so since the game finished. Mm-hmm. Twenty years of blood, sweat, and tears, four domestic trophies, three cup final goals. Not even a farewell. No wonder it's Conference League next year. Attacking players for celebrations when the club's being sold to the Super League. Okay. Class of 92, Busby Babes, you're ran by people who don't even know the offside track, classless, and the fans need to realise, good night, God bless. Been here since nine of it, nine years of age, and I didn't even get a send-off. So uh, Jesse Lingard's camp, not very happy that Lingard wasn't brought on last night. But I would ask you, Rob, and we spoke about this off-air, if you're leaking to Paul Scholes, that is a disaster in the dressing room. Mm. Is it wise? Um, if I'm Ralph Raniak, I'm running Manchester United and a player is openly exposed by a pundit who is a Man United legend and says that the dressing room is a disaster. You never play for me ever again. I don't give you a minute of football. So he was on the bench yesterday because, you know, it's just the bench. But Jesse Lingard, yeah, he deserved a send off, but he negated that. That's on him. So, you know, when we talk about toxicity at a football club, It's like all of that stuff around the dressing room, not necessarily what's going on inside it. I quite often say that dressing rooms can still be harmonious, even when you're not winning, because you're trying to at least be focused as a collective. But every Man United player would have read that today. And they'll know some of the inside scoop because they're there. And there'll be some players that will look at that and go, that disgusts me. Jesse, that's bad form. You need to sort your people out. And there'll be some others who are Jesse's mates going... That's spot on. So that's the problem, isn't it, the football club? You need to be a manager. You have to manage all those things. I'm not surprised that Ralph didn't give him a minute. I think that Jesse burnt his bridges. That's on you, Jesse. Go to your next football club. Thank you for your service. He loves Man United. We loved him while he was at the football club. He didn't quite hit the standard. Go and enjoy your career at Newcastle or West Ham or wherever you want to go. AC Milan are knocking on your door. Good luck to you. But no tears either, Scott. Like This is the whole thing about football. We've got to be a little bit more ruthless when it comes to these things. There's no such thing as jobs for the boys. It's got to be about how you play and how you perform. And that goes from players to managers to the top level of the football club. Jesse Lingard is part of that. Goodbye. God bless. Good luck in the future. But it's just a job, mate. 
at the end of the day, you're a footballer. Go and do your job and go and do it somewhere else because it didn't work at Man United. It hasn't worked this season. He came back to play from West Ham, had a great season, but you've got to do it every week. And if you don't do it every week, you don't play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whether you would like to defend Lingard for, you know, I, whether it's probably, it is probably on him for being, you know, I think there was a conversation at the start of the season where Ollie said to him that he would like to use him. There was a scope for first team action, you know, after he'd returned from that West Ham loan deal, which was mm-hmm. ended up really good for him. Uh, but he had an opportunity to leave in the summer, an opportunity to leave in January, although I think the thing with Mason Greenwood ended up stopping that. But uh, yeah, I think Lingard should have taken control of his own career. And I, even me as a just somebody on the outside, hearing that Lingard was kind of promised minutes and this kind of thing, you could never see that happening after Jaden Sancho was signed and Marcus Rashford was coming back from injury. And, you know, you would, ho- you would hope that he'd have kicked on Cristiano Ronaldo, Edinson Cavani, and all these different players. It was never going to be... Lingard should have taken control last season and left for me. Uh, and Absolutely. it's a shame how it's turned out. But at the end of the day, you know, like you say, Rob, you have to be ruthless. Uh, you have to be ruthless. I get why Ole wanted him back. After you saw his form at West Ham, you're thinking, do we really want to let this player go? Now, Jesse Lingard was always very keen to come back to Manchester. That was his idea. He wanted to do that. He liked the idea of being in London with West Ham. He had a great time there, but it was more about forcing his way back at Man United. And look, it looked like he'd done that, didn't it? But I, I don't, I've seen nothing from him this season when he's on a football pitch, when he's come on as off the bench, where you think, that's your guy. That's the guy you've got to start next week. There's been none of that. And that's and he's not the only one, is he? You know, there's been so many of them, but it counts for everyone. And you've got to be ruthless. And you're right. You know, Jesse Lingard should have gone a year ago. He should have taken control of his own career. And so he sat on the bench for another 12 months. I'm sure he'll go somewhere, Scott, and be a raging success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesse Lingard's close friend, Marcus Rashford. Uh, you can check out on 90min.com over the next few days. There's a, there'll be an update on his future. He's waiting to speak to Eric Ten Hag and his coaching staff before making a decision on whether he stays or goes. Um, there's interest from other clubs in him. Uh, but I think we've said on this show, Rob, in the past that Marcus Rashford doesn't necessarily fit, according to the eye test, uh, an Eric Ten Hag system. So, uh, you know, it's it's not set in stone yet whether Marcus Rashford will stay or leave. And there is interest in him from other clubs. Arsenal linked. I think Newcastle will probably want to make a statement signing as well uh, for the right player. There's probably interest from abroad as well. Uh, But it it was kind of telling last night, the fact that Rashford didn't even get on either, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I, I think some of those substitutes were dictated by the kind of farewell party for some players. But Marcus Rashford hasn't earned his place this year either. Let's be honest. So, you know, I, I think that there's there's kind of conflicting reports and intel on, on Marcus and the fact that he's quite happy with the new manager. He likes Ten Hag as a coach. So that's one thing. The other side of it is, is that he's not particularly happy at Man United with the football club. So... It might be the time to part company. Again, it's it's like the perfect storm, isn't it? You know, reform dips where you've got a new contract coming up, a new manager comes in, the club has a bad league uh, finish. What do you do? Well, change normally happens, doesn't it? Marcus Rashford's got to have lots of options. He really is. And he knows this. And I think that's where the game will start to be played for him. Um, and I'm kind of thinking, Scott, he should go. 
I really am. Like, I, 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 I look at the squad going forward. You know, I love Marcus as a guy and as a player and what he's done for United. You know, he's a United fan. I'm a United fan. You're a United fan. We have all of that together. That's our empathy of the football club. But it's not working, is it? And football is a sport. So I think that if Marcus can stay and improve under Eric Ten Hag, fantastic. But I think he'll probably still find that he's somewhere on the bench rather than the starting lineup. Yeah, it doesn't seem to me, even under Ten Hag, you look at Sancho, who's assumed that left wing role, which is Rashford's favourite. He doesn't like the right-hand side. Yeah, You'd think that United are going to try, whether they do or not, trying to get a right winger in the next year or so, whether it happens this summer or next. Anthony. Rashford, <coughs> Anthony. Yeah, Anthony. You're not going to end up signing the whole Ajax team, aren't they? But, uh, Basically. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's not even like Marcus Rashford is going to have a nailed-down starting spot if United do sign another striker as well. Ronaldo stays, this kind of thing. So, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, but it's not an obvious path back in for Marcus Rashford. And I think Roy Keane said, Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher were talking about him on Monday Night Football and said along the lines of, he's not really kicked on. He's not. He's stagnated over the last two years. And he has. You know, so maybe a departure is some is something that he needs. Yeah, when you look at the downfall of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and why the setup has, has like over the last twelve months has collapsed to the level of where it is, Marcus Rashford is a big part of that story. He is. I talked about senior players a lot: Ronaldo, Bruno, Maguire, Rashford. I don't think any of those four. We talked about Ronaldo scoring goals now have led the club well in the previous 12 months. So it means that as you come to the, the football club as a new manager, what do you do? You gut that leadership somehow. You find a way to infiltrate it, break it down and bring in new leaders. So when you look at Marcus as part of that, you know, you know, quadrant there of people, it's easy just to sell him. He's on that part of his contract, sell him, get a good fee for him, bring in someone like Anthony. You probably could get Anthony for the price of a Rashford. Yeah. And you're upgrading the position. So that's exactly how the management are going to look at it. And this is the whole thing now that if, if Paul Mitchell comes in, Paul Mitchell will probably look at that and go, I could get a player who does more for us than Marcus Rashford at the moment for a lot less money. And the Glazers are going to go, go for it. We won't give this guy a contract. They're going to talk to Marcus about a deal. There's no doubt about that because he's still a figurehead at Man United. But he's got to prove it. He's got to earn it. He's got to show Ten Hag that he's still a valid footballer. As it stands at the moment, if there was a World Cup tomorrow, Scott, he doesn't go with England. He doesn't. You know, he's not he's not good enough at the moment. And I think Alanga has shown this year that a bit of endeavour and a bit of youth can get you ahead of Marcus Rashford. And that's a real damning point on the player. Yeah, we'll talk about Marcus Rashford a little bit more in the next few weeks, I'm sure, because his future is not resolved yet. Uh, we do need to wrap up quite soon, Rob, but we will do a little quick section on Frankie de Jong, mm-hmm. who's been linked with Man United in recent days. Uh, the Ten Hag, Frankie de Jong uh, mind connection. <laughs> you know, it, it does. I looked at this to start with and I thought, yeah, I can't see this one happening. But the longer it kind of goes on, the more logical it does seem. Because I think there's there's been some suggestions that Barcelona have I'm willing to let him go. He's on a massive wage, yeah. uh, but massive in the terms of United who pay massive wages. I'm not so sure if nope. it is that big in, in comparison. You know, he'd probably have to get on board with joining a Europa League club. But I think I look at somebody like Frankie de Jong, who's done it for Ten Hag before, and how important that midfield position is to get right and the kind of qualities he can bring to that midfield because he's unlike any, any midfielder United have got. I wouldn't mind seeing him turn up on loan 
or something like that over the next few, or if you're not, I want to pay X amount of money for him and, you know, match his wages or something like that. I think he'd be a really good addition. Is that the kind of addition they should be looking at for, to allow Ten Hag's system to flourish and somebody who knows it straight away and they don't really need that much time to catch up with it? Of course. Of course. That's the level of player that you should be looking at, but you should be casting your net far and wide because you can do better than what you've got and you can do better than the same superstars you're always linked with. So De Jong is a, is a really good player. We all know this on a huge way at Barcelona. Barcelona do have to cut their wage bill. It's something they're going to have to do cutting their cloth, uh, cloth accordingly over the next two or three seasons. That's just going to be an ongoing thing. But they still have got money. They might keep De Jong, but they might find that if they sell De Jong, they can reinvest that money in positions that they're, they're more, they find more attractive for for uh, Xavi's current project. Um, but I also think, you know, we saw a guy last night for Brentford called Christian Eriksen, who still showed that he still got it. You know, he's not he, he's not at the top end of his career. But if you wanted to add quality to your midfield and you didn't want to pay a big transfer fee and you wanted to save some pennies to go and get a De Jong, why don't you go and get De Jong and Eriksen? Because that's a good start, isn't it? You know, you need more control and flair in the middle of the pitch so this is something again that that ten hugs are going to have to work out and work out very quickly because then we saw last night that if you go along with the matches and the mctominays and then you kind of drop a matter in still don't really do what you want to do you need to bring in players in that position that can perform week in week out yeah, keep an eye on nightmin.com for the latest on Frankie Dion and some interest from Manchester United, or maybe it's the other way around. But, uh, you know, I th- I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but I think it does make logical sense. Uh, as much as I would like to see United go and sign someone for 10 million from the middle of nowhere and just find a gem, I think somebody like Frankie Dion would be a really good start. No smoke without fire. And th- th- there's certainly something there at the moment. Uh, it's not just paper talk but it's the Ten Hag factor because Ten Hag will already be putting feelers out to players that he knows or wants it will just be happening you know I know there's stuff that we don't talk about in the press in terms of our sources and whether whether they are happening at that moment of time but all of these conversations are going to start Ralph's been playing it all down Ralph's going no 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 we don't talk none of us talk about anything at the moment you know we're seeing how far terrible season and you know, uh, the managers trying to win a title at Ajax. All of this is already happening behind the scenes. And this is why it's really important that United get ahead of recruitment in now. And I feel that that will be announced in the, in the next few days, maybe even before we go live for our next podcast, we'll see. Um, but it's just now a case of getting the ball rolling, isn't it? And someone like John, yes, please. Like, he is the type of player that you could build a future midfield around over several years. And United need to think a little bit like that now. It needs to be a building process rather than just going one player, dropping you in and thinking that's the solution. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And Rob, I do have to wrap up here because we're r- running low on time. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, the discussion today will be back on Friday, I believe, or maybe maybe even Thursday this week, if I, if I remember rightly. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll give you an early show ahead of the Brighton game. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify it, and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to YouTube, uh, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community and leave a comment on the Promised Land podcast. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And just another reminder, you can find us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you soon. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.